Welcome to the Raven Precision Podcast. In this episode, Luke Puckett and Nick Peterson return to talk about RS1 version 1.2.0.67 changes. With this release, we get into some added support for international modems, uh, specifically 2G and 3G. Uh, quite a few beta machines were actually added to the machine pick list. So if you look at the release notes and you follow along with us, there's going to be quite a few. We don't get into each and every single one of them, but Luke does get into a few key machines, and he also gets into how machines get added to their development list and their validation. Some of the other things we talk about are improved functionality, uh, such as the ability to tie into specific seat switches, uh, more from a safety standpoint. Then we also get into a few little changes uh, with the Viper 4 or ROS 3.1 release and how it pertains to RS1. Pretty short episode this time around, but uh, let's just jump into the conversation with Luke and Nick. So, yeah, we'll just go down the list here. And I see the first one is adding support for... Uh, 2G, 3G international modem. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. So in the 1.2 software release for RS1, we did add some new hardware parts. Um, it, RS1 now has a, a 2G, 3G option for, yeah. for a cellular modem. It also enables you to go and choose uh, which which cellular provider that you want. So we have an access door for the SIM card. Mm-hmm. That you can put whatever, whatever cellular provider you want in there. And then uh, there's a, actually a wizard to walk you through now to choose your cellular provider, to choose, you know, what data plan that you have, and it kind of walks you through that process now. So not only do we have the, the no modem option, the, the Verizon 4G option for uh, the U.S., we okay. now have a 2G, 3G modem option for the rest of the world. And that, you when you mentioned Wizard, that's is that part of the the main initial setup, Wizard? Or is uh, no, that going to be no, separate? No, it's not. It, it, will be, it will be separate. Okay. So uh, there's two object pools. You have a steering object pool, which everybody's familiar with, I think, by now, going through the, the steering calibration right. setup of everything. Right. You would then need to go into the slingshot object pool for RS1 and then go okay. and set up your cellular provider. So as soon as you get your SIM card installed, get it activated, then you go through this uh, selection process of who your cellular provider okay. is and what your data plan is. Oh, I, that's probably pretty good and for the best like if somebody wants to recalibrate they don't need to do that yes uh, yep repeatedly yep That's Comple- completely separate operation okay. and so uh several countries are already listed and then common cellular providers for those countries are already listed so there's going to be drop down menus that you can choose your country and cellular provider so most of those should be in there if it's not you also have the ability just to create uh your own cellular provider if it's, if okay. it's not one of the ones we have in the drop down menu so all right should be pretty straightforward yes i have one question on that how tricky would it be to put in that sim card uh, yeah. it's, it's not too bad. So there's a, a trap door on the bottom of the unit. You pull that trap door off. You then, um, insert, there's a, a push, push SIM card connector. You push your, put your SIM card down in the unit and then just slide it directly into the SIM card slot. Uh, one thing to note, there are two SIM card slots in there. So okay. if you wanted, uh, multiple providers, you could have that, um, multiple SIM cards. Uh, I know that's something that's been asked for. And then in the object pool, you can decide which SIM card. So there's a SIM card A and a SIM card mm-hmm. B, and you can decide which uh, SIM card you actually want to use for, for data. Yeah, I suppose that dual SIM, that's uh, really helpful for, I don't know, Europe? Uh, is yeah, that yeah. more, if more if, like if you're kind of like on the borderline of two exactly. different countries, uh, yep. you might as you know, you can have that option to switch back and forth. Yeah, exactly. So if your cell coverage changes between fields and things like that, that's where you'd utilize that. And is, uh, is that automatic or is that... 
Will it automatically switch, or is that something that's going to have to be toggled? It will have to be toggled. Okay. It kind of, there has to be a reset of the modem at that point, and it has to be toggled in okay. order to take effect. So, okay. Yeah, good question. I'm full of them. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before we get into uh, all these machines that got added into the database, you know, through our through our testing, yeah. through validation and everything, I kind of I thought it'd be nice just if we could uh, maybe just give like a brief overview of maybe like what goes into our testing for it, and then maybe just for those that may have the question as to you know like why isn't this why wasn't why weren't these in one why weren't these in one point one just maybe just a little bit of insight into into that because I think that question gets asked every once in a while yeah uh, and and uh, a lot of times we'll say you know okay well this one's on the list we may have it down the road just like I said maybe a little insight on why we do what we do yeah yeah sure so I guess starting off product management dictates uh, what what machines we're going to be working on so they get requests from the field get requests from the sales team mm-hmm. and uh, they then lay out a list of machines that they would like to see in the next tune set release and so that that then uh, gives us a path forward on what machines we're going to be developing on so I mean if there is a machine that you really want to see RS1 steering on then uh, yeah, contact your sales representative, yep. contact your, your past team member, whoever that may be, and let them know that their interest is out there because that then drives what we work on for development. Right. And so the development process is we, we get machines outlined that we'll be working on. We then get, typically we get those machines into our research farm and we go through a validation process. So we go through the, the installation kit, you know, what hardware is actually needed in order to make this steer. And then we go through a tune set validation. Mm-hmm. So we go and we, we specifically tune each machine so that it's meeting our performance metrics, make sure that we are very, very satisfied with how the machine is steering. Um, RS1's being held to a very high standard, and so we like to meet that standard on every machine type. Okay. And so get the machine into the research farm, go through a full tuning and process validation, make sure that, that we like where it's at. Um, that tune set then makes it into a uh, release cut of software as a beta tune set. So okay. we like to have engineering validation, but then we also like to have field validation. So that, that beta trial period is really sending the software out to the field, making sure operators are happy with it, making sure it's uh, performing in a variety of field conditions, a variety of train mm-hmm. types, things like that. So really making sure that the, the tune set's very stable. And then after uh, after a, a period of time, I'll say, uh, we like to accumulate a certain number of hours per machine type okay. in order to actually promote it from a beta status then to a release status. And so that's really what we're looking for. So if it's spring, you're accumulating a lot of hours. You get a lot of confidence very early on. If it's winter, it might stay in beta status for a little longer just because you are not you don't have people out in the field. Right, right. Um, so beta, we're really watching it and following those machines closely, make sure everything's working like it should. And then as soon as we have accumulated enough hours, we promote that then to a release tune set. So um, on certain machines, you might notice as you calibrate, it'll come up and, and it'll say software is in beta status. It means from our end, it's been fully validated, but mm-hmm. we want to just keep track of these machines in the tune set in the field. Right. And then as soon as it gets promoted, that that uh, the words beta will just disappear from the screen. Okay. Yeah. Are you targeting like a certain number of hours on feedback before it switches from beta to release? Uh, typically we are. Yeah, a certain number of hours there. Okay. Yep. Yeah, and it, may, uh, it makes sense because uh, let's say we just, we test on one machine, just on one, one of that, particular model uh, correct right? correct sometimes, then, we sometimes we try to get you know on the first couple installs to, to get a few more okay, machines out okay. there but but still that's a small sample size right right yeah so it's like you know the same the same two models aren't gonna or two of the same model aren't necessarily gonna steer 
exactly the same. Yeah, so you'd, not, you'd I mean, expect it to be very close, but there yeah. could be certain nuances with yep. this machine, right? And well, and then those are kind of, those are the kinds of things that can be taken into account when if there's any little tweaks that need to be made for that full release. Yes, uh, for when that machine fully releases. Yes. Um, a, a great a great scenario is you have uh, skinny tires versus floater tires. Mm-hmm. We may have tested on one variation and not on the other variation, but right. as soon as it goes out to beta, you do get both of those variants. Um, it allows you to see if there's any differences, uh, especially with the, the, the quick calibration now. Mm-hmm. So we're just pulling gains from a machine. You want to make sure that those gains are, are close when you use the quick cal. Right. And so that allows us to kind of average that too. We get we get results from machines with with uh, floater tires on there, with skinny tires on there, can kind of average that. That way, that quick cal is going to put you really close to where you need to be to get good okay. steering performance. All right. Well, that answers my question. Excellent. I don't know if it was as good as the first one. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so we have a pretty decent list of machines that uh, were added. Uh, and I see we have some beta. Uh, or do we even want to get into that if they're beta or release? Uh, we'll probably just go over the, the kits that were released. Okay. In general terms, I would think so. Sure. Um, we have Frontier Trackers were a big development push in this uh, software cut. So we have some specific kits there uh, surrounding Versatile um, that we really wanted to get out there. But we do have a generic Frontier Tractor tune set available as well. Um, articulated Trackers were another push. This is for anything non-ISO steer ready. So okay. we already had a kit out there for Steigers that have an ISO valve on them. This is for, for older, older machines. Right. Um, that do not have the ISO valve, and it's also for uh, newer versatile machines that have an analog valve on there. So, right. uh, front steer trackers and articulator were a big push in the software development. Okay, um, this would be driven based on if we have a hydraulic kit already previously with Smart Tracks, what the Danfoss valve that we could uh, add on the machine for these generic ones would be pretty much the supported list. Correct. Yep. Or, I guess MD would also be included if we have MD kit. Correct. Yep. Yep. And there's generic cabling that can be used for that purpose. So. Um, the, the request for machine-specific kits that we've gotten, we've developed kits for that, and then there also is the generic way to go as well. All right. So it gives you, gives you a little more options. Um, along with that, uh, the Rogator C was a big push for the software development as well. Those, have, those machines released this summer. They're being okay. shipped now. Um, so uh, anything prior to 1.2 RS1 software will not have a tune set for Rogator C, so if, or for, sorry, for Terragator C. Oh, okay. So yeah. if you... If you do have a Terragator C, you will need to update to one two software in order to get the correct tune set for that machine. Oh right, yep. Because it's not—I mean, it's programmed into the specific version of software. Yes, so yes, correct. That's, that's why. Yep, yep. Uh, another big push were RBR machines. Uh, working okay. on on uh, the non-steerity. So there's the VTA machine, which is ISO steerity. These are working on the non-steerity machines. Okay. So. And uh, yeah, and I look I look at these, and so I see HDU analog and HDU PWM. Just Quickly, what's the major difference there? Sure. So uh, the difference is the valve type. So HDU analog is an analog voltage valve. So it means you're sending a voltage out to the valve in order to steer it. PWM, you're sending a PWM signal out to the valve. So uh, just different hardware types for valves. Right. So, yeah, we'd be looking at the PWM. That would be the Sour Danfoss that uh, Nick brought up. Uh, PWM would be more like the Eaton valve on case machines. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. And so the the analog is the the Sour Danfoss. Oh, I just got that mixed around then. Just flip it one eighty right why there. You're, yep. That's yep. why you're here. You're giving out the wrong information. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. If you had other machines that you wanted to kind of highlight, no, I think I think those are the heavy hitters. Like we said, Terragator okay. C support, uh, RBR machine support, Frontier Tractor, and Articulator Tractor. That's really been the push for the software okay. release. Is there anything particular we need to be aware of? I know on a lot of the C series, run into their 
ad control software or their their little main ECU? Is there any things that we need to take an account on those machines? Uh, not not that we're aware of. So um, as always, we recommend that all software is up to date on the Agco side, and just mm-hmm. making sure that um, when you do an RS1 installation. Having all that software up to date is just going to give you the, the latest and greatest and best steering performance. So we'd highly recommend that. Right. The Terragator C, since they're brand new, I would expect that they should be good out of the box. But just something to check. Uh, well, if we want to move on from those um, those added tune sets, uh, I should say. So I see we have we just updated we updated a couple of them here. Was that the New Holland Guardian and the Miller Nitro? Sure. So some of the work we've been doing there is uh, we're always looking for continuous improvement on machines right. as well. And so we've had some of those machines in at the farm have the ability to do more testing and kind of tweak those values a little bit. And so mm-hmm. um, specifically on side hills, that's that's where oh, okay. the, the improved performance was seen. And so we did change those values, those uh, those steering gains around a little bit in order to improve that. So, okay. Yep. So not just, it doesn't stop at we do beta and then we do release. If if it's needed, there's continuous development. Yeah, yeah, there's continuous improvement. Okay. So we're we're getting feedback from the field all the time, um, and the feedback was, you know, on side hills it could be a little more aggressive, and so that's really what we were striving for there, making sure we're holding the line a little tighter on side hills, and so okay. that's where the the primary development went to. All right. Um, and since we were talking about, well, since we're talking about this 1.2 version of RS1 software overall. I see we, we added the the ability for RS1 to detect when the HDU and the MDU are out of date, or I guess when there's an incompatibility between yes, them. Yes, yes, that's a very good point. So w- the release software for RS1 is 12067, okay. and so that has to be paired with the correct HDU and MDU software. Right. So we have 12RS1 software that needs to, get, that needs to be paired with 22HDU software or 22MDU software. Okay. If there is a software incompatibility, You'll get a DTC that that shows up on your object pool uh, in the RS1 object pool. And that's going to tell you that software is out of date. You need to be updated in order to use use the system. Okay. So if you try to recalibrate, it's still not going to work. You're still going to get a pop-up that says you have to update software. So uh, on any new systems going out, you're going to have the correct RS1, the correct HDU software. It's just going to work. If you just choose to update RS1, which is highly recommended, there's some good features and benefits in Mm -hmm. this package like we talked about. Then you also need to update either HDU software or MDU software. Okay. So, um, uh, maybe a, a good plug there is also for DTCs. So the DTC list we've continually been going through that and refining it. So the DTCs that are very helpful, we're making sure that they're in there. You have good descriptions associated with them. Some right. of them, quite frankly, they weren't helpful and they were just a distraction. And that's kind of the feedback we got from the field. So we're working at eliminating any DTCs that aren't actually useful for diagnosing problems with the system. Okay. And then keeping all the useful ones. And so I know that's a continuous process. Um, so something that comes to mind is no Ethernet. Um, if you never had Ethernet detected, oh, it's, it's right. really not a problem with the system, right, yeah. but but we want the user to know. Yeah. And so we, we fix that. So if you have Ethernet connected and then it's disconnected, then we throw a DTC. But if it's never connected, then we just ignore it and we don't throw a DTC. So um, the DTC list is continually being improved upon and it's, it's getting better. And it's really been, been beneficial in diagnosing any problems, you know, be it installation or whatnot. So highly recommend any, any uh, issues. People still want to go to the Smart Tracks widget on the screen. We're trying to shy away from that and not oh, use right. that. Um, right now, it just says refer to the the UT. So that's really where we want to push people. So if there's mm-hmm. any any diagnostic uh, capabilities that you want, definitely go through the UT and use that diagnostic troubleshooting page. They're getting the list is getting honed and it's getting very good. Surprised you didn't jump for joy after 
hearing about these the DTCs getting pruned a little bit. You're not going to have people nervous about a DTC that doesn't even really matter. <laughs> Taking away my easy phone calls. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah but uh, back along the line of what you were talking about, I mean, so it's if somebody has RS1 and either an HDU, a hydraulic drive unit, or a mechanical drive unit, uh, just to be aware that those need to uh, go hand in hand yes. with any update. So it's, you know, if you have that on your machine, just know that it's a package deal. At That's that correct. Point. That's correct. And so just because you update the RS1 software, it doesn't automatically update the HDU software. Right. There are two separate files that will need to get loaded on the Viber 4 and then two separate ECUs, if you will, mm-hmm. need to be updated. Yep. So this would be easy for the previous owners of SmartTrack, SmartTrack MD. They're used to having that same combination of oh, software yeah, and have to update both. So that that's Hopefully true. it has the same mindset. Yeah, it kind of puts it in perspective there. Yep. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Uh, let's see. Added UI feedback uh, for the information transfer between partner registration or during partner registration. So is that, w- when I look at that, I think I think steering partner? Yes, correct. Okay, so that's the HDU, MDU. Correct. Uh, so steer ready. Yep, so during that, there's kind of a handshake process. The RS1's looking for a steering partner detects a steering partner, and then it goes through that software check as well. Make sure, right. yep, I'm paired with an HDU. Oh, uh, okay. I don't have the right software version, you, and it pops up that you need to update software. Or you do have updated software, you're good to go, and then it just passes you right through the calibration sequence. Okay. All right. Yeah, so they won't, they won't, someone won't even see that screen, that software mismatch if it's... If there's not a problem. Yep, right. Correct. Okay. Correct. Uh, and then, so improved center point learning correction. Yeah, so the center point learning correction... Um, you go and you calibrate your wheel angle sensor and you try to drive straight towards the horizon as you're sitting that center point. Mm-hmm. And you do the best you can, but sometimes you're not exactly right. So if you check the center point learning, that'll really adjust that center point on your wheel angle sensor over time so that it's 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 dead on. And so there's just improvements to that algorithm and making sure that it's it's getting the correct center point on your wheel angle sensor because that it really affects performance. If you're off, you know... Seven, eight points, it, it's really, you're, you are going to notice a difference. You'll hang off to the left or the right of the line longer than you think you ought okay. to, and then it'll slowly work its way over. So I would recommend you always have that center learning button checked. You can do the, the best calibration you want in the world, and that's, that should get you close, but that mm-hmm. center learning will just, over time, it'll help correct for that and uh, get you exactly where you need to be for a center point. Yeah, I've noticed that the few times I've checked on that for after playing around with it, that what you think is centered or driving straight, and then you go and hit that center learning while you're on an A-B line, you see it move a lot, and you're like, well, maybe I wasn't as close as I thought it was. Yeah, yeah. right. And there actually is a check for that now in software, so um, we know approximately where center is, and so um, if you're too far outside of that center range, we will throw an error, and you have to go back and, and correct that center point. Um, so it's going to get you real close, but yeah, that center learning definitely can help you out. All righty. Well, that does it for the release notes that uh, should be posted on the website. Was there anything else that either of you uh, thought would be good to go over with this, with this version, or with uh, just maybe where RS One is right now? Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe kind of improve functionality. So, okay. um, from a safety standpoint, we are starting to tie into seat switches in cabs to make sure that an operator is present. Okay. Um. That's that's software that's continually in development, and so right now we're not keying off of that. Oh, okay. For, for certain for certain kits, we are keying off of that, but not for everything. So that's a question that's come up. You know, if if my machine does not have a seat switch, what do I do? Uh, you don't need to worry about it right now. Um, in software, it'll it'll be taken care of. So okay. Um, machines that do have the seat switch, we are utilizing that 
from a safety standpoint, machines that don't, there's another safety function within Viper 4 software that's taking care of that. So, okay. um, yeah, if you don't have a seat switch, don't worry about it. If you do, the kit's going to direct you how to tie into that anyway. So, oh, okay. Yep. Is that going to be tune set related where it's going to look into gonna... the software? Drawing right. that this kit supports a seat switch, so then it should be provided and make sure you follow instructions. That, yep, yep, that's correct. Okay. And if you're going with a generic... Uh, the generic tune set actually has drop downs now, so you can choose whether or not you do have a seat switch. And you oh, can okay. Into it, so. All right. Yep. Gives you a few more options there. Are there any improved you know, features, functions with Viper 4 software with uh, the latest 3.1 release? So we got a 3.1071 uh, Viper 4 software that was just released as well, just a little, about a week or two later after uh, RS1. But a couple things to note that we've seen some previous issues have kind of been a little thorn in the side or one doing the RS1 updates over Wi-Fi. There's been some significant improvements with the 31071 software. So if you guys have some that are struggling, that'd be one thing worth trying. It might not be the uh, perfect silver bullet, but it, it definitely has fixed a few that have not been able to have updates. And one thing to note there, make sure your Wi-Fi antenna is connected on the Viper 4. I know that's something we've we've seen in the past. Oh, yeah. The Wi-Fi does not work very well if you don't have an antenna, so... Yeah, and sure another thing to note, too, with 3.1, the Wi-Fi tab gets moved down to the networking page in the node of the gears. So it'll be okay. next to where the old SmartTracks icon was. There will be a new uh, networking icon, so, and it is defaulted off. So it's one thing to note. You have to go back in there and toggle it back on and connect to the RS1. That's one thing that catches a few when they update to 3.1. Then uh, another thing, too, I guess we've seen is um, before with, 2728, we had running some no guidance points issues where guys actually had a AB line set. There's been some improvements with 3.0, and it should be fixed there. And if not, definitely with 3.1, it should take care of that that DTC that pops up. Yeah, so if you do have if you have older software and you do run into that, a power cycle usually fixes that. But, yeah. And now that you mm-hmm. mentioned the power cycle, we have noticed, two with uh, 3.1, if that still doesn't fix it with the Wi-Fi update, Usually a full power cycle as well, and when you come back in there, that seems to fix those that don't update after updating the three one. Okay. What kind of few tips that we've uh, seen run into, and some of the fixes that that we have kind of forces RS one and the Viper four to, to reconnect via Wi Fi. I'm sure. Right. As uh, a safe practice too with updating RS one, we find that after you update to clear the ISO task data and then do a power cycle to load the UT fresh. That's a a good practice with ISO. Okay. And you're talking, just to be clear, you're talking that clear ISO task data and say the Viper 4. Yeah, and the Viper 4 CR7 okay. should have both options. Oh, yep. Well, all righty. Ready to break. Everything I have. That's all I do. All right. Well, thanks, guys. You stay classy. <laughs>